you were meant to live a life of significance. So I want you to imagine something. What does significance look like? Does it look like being a young man in your 20s at the pinnacle of professional success, being the CEO of a financial organization while you had an amazing marriage with your wife, expecting children, and you're traveling the world, competing at the world's highest level in your sport? Is that what significance looks like? Because my guest today was at that level. But I want you to picture something else. That while everything seems to be going great, you receive some news. You get the news that you're dying, that your body's failing. And the only thing that you can do is take medication to for the pain that's only going to make your condition worse. So you have to come to the realization that the only way that you are going to make this through this is if you can heal yourself. That is exactly what happened with my guest today. Today, I'm having a conversation with Chase Thornock. Chase is an amazing individual with an incredible story that I am eager for you to hear. Chase is the founder of What Magnificence and host of the What Magnificence podcast. Chase is going to share his story of how he went from death's doorstop to thriving in his health and in his family. He's going to share with you the exact steps that he took to begin to heal his own body. And not only that, he's going to tell you the science behind it, the steps that you can take, how you can implement this in your practice, because you might not be dying right now, but there are things happening within your body that you can take control of. He's going to tell you how you can use your mind and your body's practices to control how your body reacts and responds to stress and all the other things that come across our plate day to day as fathers and as husbands. This is an amazing episode. I can't wait for you to dive into this conversation with Chase Thornock on the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. You are listening to the Dad's Making a Difference podcast, the number one podcast for men driven to live a life of significance. Men who want to make a difference in the lives of their families, in their business, and in the world around them. My name is Cam Hall, founder of Fight the Dabot and leader of the Dad's Making a Difference Mastermind. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now, let's dive in. Chase, welcome to the Dad's Making a Difference podcast, brother. Good to see you today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And I appreciate you taking time out of your day to be here. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube or you're seeing this on social media, you know, Chase is, you're already intrigued. You see this guy and you're like, okay, he's got the hat, he's got the cowboy hat on, he's got the hat on, the black t-shirt, and he's in dust, like dusty. And it's like, this guy is real. And I love it. And I am going to share what you were doing like 15 minutes ago. What were you doing outside? I, I, I'm welding up my uh, solar array. Love it. Outside, yeah. welding up a solar array. He's like, oh, yeah. I'm going to jump on this podcast interview. And well, my, my wife came out and she's like, yeah. hey, you got this. So anyway, I'm, I'm a little more sweaty than I'd probably prefer to be. But yeah, that's that's the nature of the work out here. So, And I love it because it's real, right? That's yeah. why. Yeah. And that's why I want to draw attention to it because... When I listen to your story and in the short conversation we were able to have a couple of weeks ago, what I realized right away is that you're real and it's not some, you know, pomp and circumstance. It's not some flash and everything. It's like your story is real and it hits home. And I shared with you real quick how 
I'm, how excited I am for this conversation today. And Chase, man, for the guys who don't know, you have had quite a life and quite an experience. So I think we dive right into it, you know, dive right into your story, um, what you're about, what got you here. Uh, yeah, I want you to yeah. share a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I, you know, I feel like my life, it's funny because your life is your life, right? right. But I, uh, I, I will skip to college because I was coming out of college. I was in, in the business school at my university and coming out of school, um, my wife and I were on a world traveling ballroom dance team of all things. Ballroom and so, we were, yeah, we were, we were operating at a really high athletic level. We were dancing 12, uh, sometimes 14 hours a day. And all of a sudden, I started to get really sick and uh, kind of limped along and limped along. And eventually, I was diagnosed with this pretty aggressive autoimmune disease. I graduate from college. I go into the venture capital world. Um, it kind of from the outside, it looks like I'm maybe on top of the world. I become, uh, I, was, I was put in a portfolio company of the venture fund. I became the CEO of that company within three years. Um, and I was, you know, checking all the boxes in terms of this successful life, but I was dying. I was literally dying. The doctors over that period of time, we tried every medication available. They were these, I think it was like $2,000 a shot. And I was taking them every six weeks and all of these different types of medications and nothing was really working at all. And I got to a point where the doctors, I was, I had to quit my job. I was bedridden. I couldn't, I couldn't walk. I had to crawl to the bathroom and the doctors were like, we've got, we really have nothing left for you. We have steroids, which if you've ever taken anabolic steroids or whatever they're called, catabolic, they're catabolic. They don't mm. build muscle. They tear muscle down. Right. But these steroids, they either have steroids for you, like prednisone or, um, or opioids to help you with the pain. Right. Oh, wow. So yeah. two options that would kill me anyway over long periods of time. And uh, yeah, I was, I, was in a, I was in a really dangerous spot. I was being fed by a line to my heart. I couldn't eat any food. It was a pick line that went into the vein in my arm and to my heart. And they, they wore a backpack that pumped this stuff called TPN into my body uh, just to try to survive on a day-to-day -day basis. I eventually went septic on that pick line. I uh, got a staph infection in the line itself. And was literally hours from death. Hmm. And uh, there was this moment of clarity. I remember laying in my bed. Uh, it was the middle of the day. I had the blackout curtains drawn in so much pain and, and so sick. And laying there and I could hear my kids outside, you know, outside my door and my wife taking care of them. They were all under six years old, three boys under six. And I remember laying there and God told me, he said, if you're going to survive, you need to heal yourself. You need to learn how to heal yourself. And initially, I just thought I was dead. I was like, well, that's it. What's my background? How am I going to figure this thing out? Um, but uh, the pieces were put into place, the mentors, the teachers, and I, I was able to learn how to heal my body. And now that's what I teach people around the world how to do. Wow, amazing. I want to circle back because, you know, that's – Somebody probably just heard that and was like, oh, wow, like, that's incredible. Competitive ballroom dancer, one of the best teams in the world. Your body starts to shut down after you leave college, you're in a job, you've reached the pinnacle of professional success, really at a really young age, a lot of what a lot of people would strive for. 
your body shuts down, you're told you're dying, they have no answer, you come to the realization that you're going to heal yourself, you have to heal yourself. But all during this, like, you had three boys under six. So at what point in that journey uh, did you become a dad? And how did that play a role in you really stepping forward and saying, I got to do this? I have a I have a picture uh, holding my oldest son and he's in the NICU because he was born six weeks early because of the stress that my wife was going through. And he had a pick line and I had a pick line, right? You can see the pick line running into my backpack. It's right on so your website. All honesty, my son, my wife went into labor the day I got out of the hospital. Oh, wow. She laid on the ground. Again, six weeks premature, she laid on the ground and said, we're home. She sat up and just gushed blood. And I hadn't even pulled my stuff out of the car from the hospital. So we put her stuff in the car and we just drove back. It's essentially the way that it happened. Then she was in labor for three days as they tried to stop it and tried to, you know, keep him from coming. He came and he was healthy. He had to stay in the NICU for a little bit, but that's right when it all started. Um, and then our other two came in, in pretty quick succession. They're all about 20 months apart. And my health, it was really interesting. Uh, we can talk about this later, but my health, every time a child was born, my health would collapse, mm. right? So it, it, it certainly, you know, it wasn't this linear thing, right? It was more like a blah, 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 blah. Um, but it's hard to plan your life when you're like, am I going to survive this? Are we okay? And, you know, whatever. But that's when it started is right in the throes of it all. Wow. Okay. So you've, you've come to this realization, you need to heal yourself. You know, God said you need to heal yourself. You're going to survive. You're going to make it through. I Are wish you... he said that. He said, if you're going to survive. survive. If, if, <laughs> if that, you're going to live. That's a big difference. You got to do yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big yeah. difference. If but gonna... but to your point, it, it brought up the possibility, right? Yeah. I thought, oh, you're telling me there's a chance, right? Yeah. yeah. Maybe I can do this. Yeah. So what was the first step? Because there's a lot of guys listening to this, myself included, you know, when I heard your story, would I have it in me, you know, to be there mm. where you were and like, would I have it in me to take this on? All, all you really need is hope. That's really what you need, right? When, when you're in the place where you're hopeless, you're right. It's really hard to do it. But the minute that you can catch a glimpse of like, maybe this is possible, that's really all you need. And it started with two critical conversations with my doctor. I remember sitting down as I was trying to figure out how I'm going to solve this problem. I sat down with him and I said, listen, doctor, stress makes my disease worse, right? And he said, yes. And I said, and it makes a lot of disease worse, right? And he said, absolutely. And I said, cortisol, which is what you're mimicking with the prednisone that somewhat helps me with my symptoms, right? The prednisone that you're giving me is mimicking cortisol, which is my body's primary stress hormone, right? And he said, yes. And I said, why are you giving me stress hormone when stress makes my disease worse? Right. And he said to me, he said, cortisol is a hugely anti-inflammatory drug. It reduces your inflammation rapidly. And I thought, that is amazing, but it doesn't make sense to me. Because if I'm stressed and my body's producing cortisol, I should be the most uninflamed person on the planet, not the most inflamed person on the planet. 
Right. Well, that was the first conversation and the first question. It always starts with that question, a question, right? Right. Then I, I started to learn about something called the autonomic nervous system, which is your resource allocation system. It determines whether the food that you eat, the air that you breathe goes to surviving now via fight or flight. It's mainly pushes blood to your arms and your legs and you can fight and run away or towards surviving later, like digestive processes, reproductive processes. And your body is so good at shifting that when you go into fight or flight, your digestive system shuts off. Your reproduction system shuts off. And so I, I had learned, okay, if fight or flight is kind of contributing to this issue. I asked him, what's the drug for the other side, the rest and digest, the parasympathetic side? And he said, we really don't have a drug for it. Hmm. So that's what like started me down this path, right? And what I came to learn was that my body, anybody's body, makes a finite amount of cortisol and adrenaline. They're your two primary stress hormones. And you, when you run out of it, you run out of it. You don't have anything left. So if this tiger, right, that's how your body responds in a fight or flight situation. But if this tiger is chasing you and your body says, go to the cortisol, go to the adrenaline so we can be faster and stronger, right? If it doesn't have that, your body will adapt. Hmm which is amazing. And it says, okay, if we don't have that stuff to make us faster and stronger, we're going to go to our next best option. And essentially what that means is if the tiger catches us and cuts us open, we're going to produce warrior cells to fight the infection from the tiger bite, right? Hmm. There is no infection. It never comes. So you produce all of these warrior cells. They're called cytokines. Produce tons and tons of them. And they are, they're a hammer and everything's a nail, right? floating around in your body, floating around in your systems, and eventually they start friendly firing. They start blowing up normal, healthy human tissue, and that begins, that's the genesis of inflammatory autoimmune disease. Okay. Right? And, uh, and so I learned that the system is called autonomic because it's supposedly automatic, but I learned that you could, I could control it. And not only that, but I could grow my reserves of cortisol and adrenaline, and I could release them on command. Wow. And by doing so, I could dose my body with its own prednisone and with its own epinephrine. Epinephrine is what we give people when they go anaphylactic from a bee sting, right? Yeah. And there's no side effects to the chemicals that my body produces, right? And so that's what really started to open the door for me. And it helped me to learn that I needed to find my body's homeostasis, which is a balance between those two systems. I needed to learn how to strengthen them because like a muscle, they were weak and then learn how to find balance between the two. Come on, man. Like, <laughs> okay. You were in a profession that was not health. That was not this base, but you went through this like intense experience and you dug into this on your own and you made this like. So there's there's probably a bit of dramatization there, right? When I say, who am I to figure this out? I didn't realize it at the time, but I had more or less a medical degree based on the challenges that I'd been going through over the last yeah. decade, right? Yeah, I'd okay. been to doctor after doctor after doctor. I knew the language. I knew the nomenclature. Right. And yeah. not only that, but my mother died from an autoimmune disease. So I didn't even realize this, right? But being a child, I went to all those doctor's appointments with her, right? Yeah. And so there was a foundation that was laid there from when I was little that at the time I didn't recognize. And now looking back, I can see was really fundamental in helping me coalesce all of these ideas. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. And so now you've discovered this, not so much discovered it, 
but learned it and learned how to implement it. But you mentioned something that I think is fascinating. You mentioned that you can train your body to release these hormones on demand. Yes. Instead of this like fight or flight or emergency response or autonomic response, you can do this on demand. Yeah. And it gets really cool because you can measure it in my blood. And it's so intense that I can release more of those chemicals, more cortisol and adrenaline than someone who's bungee jumping for the first time in their life. Right. Okay. So I, I, so, I got to ask, how does this, okay. <laughs> you know where this is going because there's guys listening to this who are as fascinated as I am at this. And they're like, I want to do that. And they yeah. probably won't be able to do it by next week. And this is what you help people do. Uh, right. This is, this is your superpower and your expertise, but how do you start preparing yourself to get to a place where you can do this? So I think that's a really interesting question. And I I know how you're asking the question, but I do want to point this out that this work is, uh, it's not easy. It's like, it's not taking a pill. You know what I mean? Like it's using your body's machinery to accomplish certain processes. It's a lot like working out at the gym. It's, it requires that first of all. But at the same time, it's also not this overexertion process where if you're really sick like I was, you can't access this. You can absolutely do it. So it turns out that there's actually lots of ways for us to exercise the system. For example, if you go rock climbing, you're going to exercise the fight or flight system, the fight or flight response. Okay. Um, But what I learned and what was most effective was one of the, one of the main people that came into my purview was Wim Hof. Okay. Okay. And that's becoming more and more something that people are hearing about and, and understanding. But Wim has used breath work and cold work to activate these systems deeply, right? And I'll use, I use different techniques as well, but breath and cold are pretty accessible to most people, except my clients in Texas and Arizona. Sometimes we have problems with the cold water. The cold water, yeah. But when you do the breathing exercises, what happens is that you go into these breath retentions and your tissues stay high, highly saturated with oxygen, but your O2 sat in your blood starts to plummet. Mm. And as your brainstem monitors that, it says, oh, crap, we're in trouble here, right? And eventually, as you train, my O2 sat, you can watch it with a monitor, it'll drop into the 40s, it'll shut the monitor off. And when it does that, the brainstem dumps all of its stress chems. That is, it's our last shot. Let's throw everything we got at it, right? And then when it rebuilds those chemicals, it builds more and more and more of them, right? Hey guys, I wanted to take a moment and talk about our community of DMD brothers in the DMD mastermind. We are men who help each other to stay focused and intentional in our pursuits of personal, professional, physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual growth. We are a community of men who bring courage, wisdom, and transparency to unfiltered conversations that challenge us to be more impactful men, to be dads making a difference. We do this through our online and in-person events where men come together to speak into each other's lives and then turn around and do the deep work to create change in their families, in their businesses, and in the community around them. If you are wondering if this community might be right for you, you can find more information on the DMD Mastermind, and you can also book a call directly with me at dmdmastermind.com. Now, let's get back to our show. And then 
once that fight or flight's been activated, all the blood leaves your core, goes to your arms and your legs, right? And then you step into the cold. And the cold reverses that whole process. So you have enough arteries and capillaries that if you line them up, they go around the planet two and a half times, okay? And all of those have primitive little muscles on them. And when you step into the cold, your body wants to preserve your core temperature. So it closes all those arteries and capillaries in your arms and your legs. It pushes all that blood back to your core. And that just so happens to be where your long-term survival organs are, right? And so now they are flushed with nutrients and what they need to do their jobs. And the thing that activates that response in your body, it's called the dive reflex. It's the gasp, right? The thing that's responsible for that is the parasympathetic and more specifically the vagal nerve, okay? And so what happens is by using the breath in the cold, you start to exercise the system and put it all together. And that's really meaningful for a lot of people. And if if people listening want to start, you can go to my website, put in your email address, and I'll teach you how to start doing this. But then beyond that, we have to understand why their bodies have been in a constant state of fight or flight to begin with, right? They have become conditioned to stimuli in their environment that they don't realize is sending them into fight or fight over and over again. A good example of this is like red and blue flashing lights when you're driving down the freeway, right? You have a response to that. You dump your adrenaline and your cortisol that you have. But what most people don't realize is that that's conditioned. If someone from another country was used to white and green lights, for example, they wouldn't have the same response to the red and the blue. Hmm. So you learn to access and control the autonomic nervous system and then you learn to rewire your brain so that you're not responding to the same stressful situations. And this is really, really practical when it comes to your wife and your children, right? To get angry at your kids when whatever happens or do you yell at your wife when you talk about money? All of that stuff is a triggering of the fight or flight. And you really have two options. You fight mm-hmm. or you disengage. You run away. I've experienced both of the examples you gave. That gas yeah. response. Uh-huh. Um, I remember jumping in a lake, frozen lake, hole in it, and we did this. <laughs> I, I live in Canada, yeah. so we do these yeah. types of things, not thinking. Sure. So yeah. I jump in this frozen lake. It was actually for a fundraiser, and I jumped in. And I remember the firefighters being in the water for this fundraiser, and, and they were four feet away from me, and it was everything in my body to get to them, everything yeah. in that cold water. But it was that gasp. And I remember them clearly saying, and we'll come back to the breath work, clearly saying, take a breath. Like, Uh don't hold your breath. Don't exhale. And they were like coaching before you jumped in because that has a huge impact on how you breathe, on how your body's going to respond to that shock. Right. And what that shock is called is it's it's a stressor. Yeah. It's a hermetic stressor is what it's called, which is one that you have some control over. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it's shifting your body's homeostasis. Your body says, oh, crap, that's what a stressor is, right? You get into the cold and your body says, we got to adapt to this or it's going to cause us problems. And so that sensation that you feel is the massive shift of both resources that have to commit to making this happen inside of your body and also the movement of those resources, pulling it back to your core, right? All of a sudden, there is not a lot of blood in your arms and your legs when you talk about not being able to get to them, right? Yeah. You can't swim. Yeah, right. <laughs> it becomes it becomes a thing, and and our bodies are so efficient. Like I said, at shifting those resources, that if we stay in this low grade fight or flight, there are not enough resources for our long term survival organs. 
Mm. And over time, they start to shut off. That becomes disease, whether it's diabetes, whether it's ulcerative colitis, rheumatoid arthritis, plaque psoriasis, right? Like all of those things have an origination in that system. Okay. So I've heard of Wim Hof and, and I think his stuff really hit maybe the mainstream during you know, 2020, 2021, when people cruising online, there's this cold submersion and this training and climbing mountains with no shirts on and all this stuff. <laughs> but I, I've always been intrigued by it. Never have I committed to doing it. And I've mm-hmm. heard your, your podcast where like, you start your day, you have the cold shower. Or, and I've heard of like the submersion tanks and the cold therapy tanks. What are the benefits that somebody might see from this in the short term who it's hard. Come on. It, it, it's hard. It's hard to stand in the shower where, you know, there's warm water and turn it on cold and stand there and breathe calmly and not get overworked by it and do the breath work. Like, what are some of the benefits that someone who's not fighting a life threatening disease at the moment? Uh, would see yeah there are man there are there are so many benefits first of all disease is a continuum your body will adapt and adapt until it can't anymore and that's called criticality and that's what we usually call disease right but so many of us especially with like our western diets and things right we're, we're on that spectrum at some point or another especially with things like diabetes and heart disease okay I'll just speak to those two because those are probably in your family history or you may be pre-diabetic, right? Right. Uh, If you're like most Americans, I guess. Um, When you get into the cold, the first thing is that the heart itself weighs a pound and a half. It was never meant to push blood two and a half times around the planet. But because we live such a comfortable life controlling our temperature, all those primitive muscles on the arteries and capillaries don't have to work at all. Mm -hmm. And so... Now all the force comes to the heart to try to move the blood around the body. Our blood pressure goes up, right? And it starts to exert all sorts of pressure and we end up with heart failure and heart disease, okay? So you're going to strengthen your cardiovascular system by doing this. The other thing that you're going to do is heating your body up, it's called thermogenesis, requires a massive amount of energy. And so your body, if unless it's shivering, right? Shivering is its last option. But before that, what it will do is it will actually take the insulin receptor on the edges of the cell and it will move it to the outside of the cell. As people become insulin resistant, type 2 diabetes, that insulin receptor retreats into the interior of the cell. So they become more resistant to the hormone insulin. The cold pushes those to the outside because it wants the energy. It needs the glucose now, right? So you're going to increase your insulin sensitivity and then you're going to produce something that's called brown fat. And brown fat, simply put, is brown because of the density of mitochondria in the fat. Mm. And mitochondria are in your body's powerhouses. They produce the energy that your body needs. And so now you're going to have more mitochondria to produce more energy for you, right? So, And then not to mention the endorphin release that you experience. And then the most important thing, and it's the thing that I teach my clients longer term, is that it starts to make you aware of your brain, okay? Uh, For a lot of people, their brain is them. There's no distinction between the two things. But the minute that you step into the cold, you you are only present. That's the only thing that exists. You're not worried about your shopping list. You're not worried about that client you got to deal with in three hours. None. It is just, you are just there. You're present with your body, okay? It's true. And that skill is what I call a disciplined mind. 
And it's in that place that you start to begin to access the ability to rewire things and choose how you're going to respond to stimuli in your life. And so that has a knock-on effect to your interpersonal relationships, to your health long-term, that is hard to overstate. It becomes, the cold initially is discomfort, right? But that discomfort becomes an analogy for you to challenge some of the uncomfortable things in your life that you need to go through to get to who you want to become. So good. So good because, you know, we started with your story and we're, we came from like a health lens where you were fighting this disease for your life. Yeah. And, but there's so many applicable benefits that this in parallels to other areas of life. I love that you took it there. I love that you said, you know, you're going to be more present with the people around you. You're going to be able to navigate the conflict in your life with your wife and your kids better by doing this. And so I'll be honest, like there's times I'm like, ah, oh, this seems a little like flash, a little bit hokey. Like, does it actually sure. work? But the more yeah. you explain it, man, I want to jump in a cold shower right now. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm serious. And I want to, I want to, because what you're sharing and what you're saying this could do for you, I think every man listening to this and women who are listening to this, who share it with their husbands can benefit from doing this. And you know what, if you, if you're curious about it, do it when you like go hop in the shower, when you, when you catch yourself angry with your children, mm. right? Like kids are built to push those buttons. When you notice that that's happening, go hop in the cold shower and see what it does for you. Yeah. Right. I guarantee that goes away like that. The anxiety goes away like that. Right. So, so it, it is to me, it's so applicable. And then if it does something for you, Right. Then take that as a sign and say, because that's what happened to me, right? I'm like, oh, this is crazy, right? And then I tried it and I was like, oh, there's something to this. You just have to try. Amazing. Okay. I'm going to try it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to. Yeah. Next, Go next, do it. I was telling you today is my my son's birthday and, and he and yeah. three of his buddies were in the house today running around like madman. My, my wife was at work and there was a point where I probably needed to do exactly what you just said. <laughs> said I firmly yet lovingly told them to get out of the house, you know, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm going to, tr I'm going to try that. And I want to keep this big picture because you, we just dove in for like last 10 minutes on just this cold submersion, this cold therapy practice. But this yeah. was just one part of what you implemented in your journey to self heal. And I yeah. think that's fascinating. Um, yeah. what were a couple, you know, we won't go as in depth, but what were a couple of the other things that you found helped you through this process, um, in that self-healing? So what I learned was that those triggers that existed in my neurology, they're Pavlovian style triggers, uh, for your audience, Pavlov was a scientist who studied dogs. He rang a bell every time he fed them. And at first they had no response to the bell being rung, but then they began to associate the bell with the food. And even without the food being there, he could ring the bell and they would have a physiological response. They would start to salivate, right? And so that began our awareness of this conditioned response that we can develop. What I learned was that most of the maladaptive conditioning that I had de developed over time was as the result of trauma and or trauma that my parents had experienced. Mm. Let me explain that to you because I think this yeah, is really yeah. applicable to fathers. What we don't recognize is that 
infants have no ability to regulate their autonomic nervous system, which is incredible. It's an amazing adaptation because a tiny baby doesn't have to comprehend the complexity of a jaguar stalking a family, right? It just has to know that mom is scared. That's it. And then through this magic that we still don't quite understand, the baby will mirror exactly what the mom is going through. It will produce cortisol, it will produce energy, uh, uh, adrenaline, and it will prepare to fight an infection, increasing its odds of survival in that type of, of an event, right? But in our today's world, so much of our stress is not that type of stress, okay? So a mother or a father, for example, could be talking about money, it's a good universal one, could be talking about money, they go into fight or flight, they don't know that that is happening. Their child sees them. They respond, and now they start to develop the same Pavlovian trigger that their parent had wow. around money, okay? So we pass it on to our kids, and we don't even know what's going on, right? So this work was critical for my health because I was going into fight or flight so often that I ran out of cortisol. I ran out of adrenaline. I was in adrenal fatigue. My body had nothing left, and so it was going into this dysfunctional spiral, okay? But... Once I learned all of these things that I learned, I started to address those things one at a time. And I started to bring awareness to the point of fight or flight. It's so hard as a parent to become aware when you're in that space. And this is what I talk about seeing your brain, because when you were in that space and you're like, just get out of the house, your brain was entirely convinced that it was justified in that. Right. Right. But then looking back at it, you're like, you know what? Like, I wasn't. But my brain was so convinced that that was right, because that's what it does in fight or flight. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so learning to reframe that not only impacts your individual health, but it also impacts your children's ability to not develop the same maladaptive conditioning that you had. And then because they're going to have trauma in their life anyway, right? Right. Then we learn that a child, if they have trauma, but they have someone to connect to in a warm, loving way. The odds of that being locked in their neurology as a trigger for them, a PTSD type trigger for them, drops to almost zero. Hmm. If they don't have that, the child's only other option is something called dissociation, where they disconnect from the experience entirely. In some cases, they even forget about it. Okay, But the body remembers because it says that was not safe. I'm going to remember the stimuli that we experienced during that time frame. And I'm going to make sure we trigger into fight or flight next time. Okay. But over time, that dissociation becomes the root of so many health problems. And not only that, so many societal problems. Because if you think about it, why do people do do drugs? Why do people drink Mm. alcohol? It is because there is a stimuli that triggers into the nervous system that tells them, I can't experience this again. Right? My dad was shot. Anything that reminds me of that, I can't do that again. So instead of feel that feeling, I'm going to feel something else and go for the alcohol, go for the drugs. And it's not just those. Those are less socially acceptable things, right? But it can be over shopping. It can be overeating. It can be social media doom scrolling. Those are all dissociative techniques that disconnect us from our bodies and from our people around us. And this is so good. Like I am going to listen back to this (laughs) multiple times. You're giving so much here. Um, okay. Lots to digest, but I want to ask you a question because you've obviously learned a lot, like about how the body reacts, how the brain reacts to the cell systems, everything like right down to the cell level. You've looked at this. 
Um, but I want to shift it a little bit to the personal. You know, you've gone through this process to the point of almost dying to this process of self-healing, which like, I'm sure it wasn't an overnight thing, right? Like this no. wasn't quick. It takes uh, time, but it, it was a lot faster than I got sick. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did you learn about yourself during this process? I think I learned, I learned way more self-compassion than I, than I even comprehended was possible. Right. Just the ability. I didn't realize how little space I had for myself. I, I would create space for other people. And I think even as a parent, sometimes I can get even condensed further down, right? That a good parent is one who ignores their needs and focuses on their children and their family. And I think what I learned is that through the self-compassion work in understanding that where I was, wasn't my fault. Like this wasn't a, this wasn't a character flaw, right? But at the same time, the way that I was choosing to see life was impacting my health. That was a really hard jump, right? Because my brain wanted to say, well, if I have any control over this, then I'm making myself sick. And if I'm making myself sick, then I hate my family and I whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But there was, I, I learned that there was so much space for all of that, right? And that just became a, a fascinating experience. And then one other thing that I learned that I think is critical was that the piece of me that I thought was me, which is this constant chattering that goes in on our heads, always worried about the future, always thinking about the past, hardly ever present with our families, with our kids, with our wives, right? Because right. that's how I solve problems. That's my executive function. Yeah. What I learned was that that was just a piece of me and it was an undisciplined piece of me. And it was, it was impacting and ruling my life in ways I, wasn't, I just wasn't aware of. I just had no idea what was going on. And when I learned to be still, that's when the whole world opened up for me in terms of being able to heal my mind and heal my body. Yeah, incredible. You strike me as a guy who's a lifelong learner, as somebody who's committed to always growing and always learning more and digging into the real why behind things. Um, as a dad right now, husband, you know, individual professional, what is an area of growth or learning that you're excited about right now that you're digging into? Um, I teach my children that there's four quadrants of knowledge. There's things you know you know. Hmm. There's things you know you don't know. Most people are aware of those two. The third quadrant is what you don't know you know. That's instinct. That's listening to your gut. It's a huge component of the work that I do with people. And then that fourth quadrant is what you don't know you don't know. And in today's world, it's it's not about the answers. 60 years ago is about the answers. 100 years ago is about the answers, right? Now it's all about the question. There's so much information. There's so much noise that if you're not careful and choose your question carefully, you're going to end up in a rabbit hole that's not productive for you. And so while this answer is probably not as direct as you would like, my quest and the thing that I'm working on and teaching my children is what is the right question? Hmm. And every morning that I get up, that is the first thing that I ask myself, what is my right question for today? Because if not, if I'm not careful, it may be something like, oh, I want to weld up this solar array. But I could be missing out in so much opportunity instead by saying, how do I want to connect to my family today? Right? How do I want to teach? How do I want to learn? How do I want to discover what I don't know I don't know? Hmm. And you're right. I'm a lifelong learner out of 
compellent, compellence. That's not even a word, but it's I was going to die. It is so not. I had to learn. I just had to do it. I just <laughs> yeah. had to learn. Yeah. And then yeah. since then, I, you're right. I love it. I just love, I love bringing in information. And everybody is like that in their own way. You know what I mean? And so learning and discovering what I don't know, I don't know. I love it. I had to like scramble for a pen here at my desk and write that down. What is the best question today? That's what's the right question. Yeah, man. That's powerful stuff. Chase. Now I was going to ask you like, what are three things somebody do? I'm not, I'm not going to ask you that because people need to go to your website and they need to put in their email so that you can give them some pointers and get going on here and some steps that they can implement because you will change their life. And I want to thank you for here's the best part. Here. They changed their yeah. own life. Awesome. I can't do it for them, which yeah. also means nobody can ever take it from them. They yeah. own it. They own so, it. Okay. So yeah. if somebody wants to connect with you, somebody wants to find out more about you, where can they do that? Yeah. So whatmagnificence.com is my website. And on there they can the homepage just says, Hey, here's three things you can do right now. You click yeah. yes, please, and put in your email address. You'll get three emails over the next three days that teach you the basics of all of this stuff. Excellent. It'll also explain how we can work together if they want one-on-one coaching. And you can find links to my podcast for a longer form discussion on these principles. And I'm going to tell you, if you're listening to this right now, uh, preparing for this interview, I, I like to be prepared and get into people's story, but I binge listened to Chase's episodes on this podcast. If you found this as fascinating as I have over the last 40 minutes, you need to go listen to his podcast because your episodes are just packed full with so many things that start off. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of a little bit medical type, sciencey type, but then it's like, oh, wait, no, this is personal. Like this is applicable. This is real. So if you're listening to this, you got to go check out uh, Chase's podcast as well. Chase, thank you for taking time out of your day. I appreciate you. Uh, And thanks for being a guest here on the Dad's Making Difference podcast. Cam, it was a pleasure. The work that you're doing is so needed. Well, thanks, Chase. Have a great weekend. And go check out Chase's stuff. We'll make sure Chase's contact information is all in the show notes. Now go out there and be a dad making a difference. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. I hope you found value in today's show. And if it made a positive impact on you, please share it with someone you know, leave a five-star review, and subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. And if you are a father listening to this right now who is driven to build a life of significance, to truly make a difference in the life of your family, in your business, and in the community around you, Go to dmdmastermind.com to learn more about the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind, a mastermind group for fathers that provides men with the skills, the connections, the accountability, the proven steps, and the brotherhood to truly become a dad making a difference. I'm Cam Hall. Thank you for spending time with me today, and I will see you on the next episode of the DMD Podcast.